Andrew Womack Ministries presents this message titled, The Simple Gospel. We pray that the Word of God will come alive in your heart as you listen. Praise God. The Scripture makes it clear that if you seek the Lord, if you meditate in His Word, you are going to be blessed. That you will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water and you won't fade. Amen. Your leaf will not fade. It will continue to bear fruit. Praise the Lord. Why like that? But the Word of God is what produces that. The Word of God will exalt you. And I tell you, Jamie and I have been fellowshipping about some things and talking that it just astounds me some of the things the Lord's done in my life. Every now and then I stop and go back and think where we've come from and where we're headed. And it amazes me. And did you know I can think of times we were talking today about, well, it wouldn't do any good to go into detail, but I tell you, y'all, I say things that sometimes, you know, it's easy to say it, but y'all, I think, really miss uh, what we were feeling when we were there. Some of you have probably been there and felt it. But it amazes me to see what God's doing today. And six years ago, I used to spend at least about ten hours a day, I'd say, bawling and squalling and begging and crying and pleading with God to use me somehow and to let me see Somehow, I couldn't find people to preach to. I'd grab them as they came out of 7-Eleven stores. I mean, I couldn't find anybody to share the Word with. And it amazes me. We have had to turn down three new places to minister to this week. Somehow or another, we're going to have to take up some of them. We need more ministers. I need to be able to go be about two or three different places at a time. It just astounds me what God's doing. You just can't believe how much of a blessing that is to me. And the Lord's been reminding me that it's His Word that has exalted us. Boy, I had a temptation to go through cemetery the way everybody else did, but I turned it down, and I refused it because I couldn't see it in the Word of God. We had a temptation. There was this Beverly Hills Baptist Church that wanted me to work with the youth director and do all this. I could have been ministering to four or 5,000 people regular. Boy, it would have opened up all kinds of doors. But I would have been in bondage. And I just have stuck on the Word, and the Lord is reminding me that the Word works, amen, and the Word's exalting us. And there have been things that we believe for financially that six years ago it looked impossible. It looked like, man, you're going to be completely floundering. And, and Ben Wheeler, one of our board of directors last night, was asking us how, what our budget is per month. And I never had thought about it. So I sat down and tried to figure it out. And as close as I can figure, it takes a little, it takes around $3,000 a month to finance all the radio programs. We've been putting out $1,000 worth of tapes a month. Can you believe that? To some people that may not mean much, but, but just very long ago, I can remember when we started believing for $500 a month and that was with $200 to give away. And boy, we thought that was the limit, $500 a month. And praise God, the Lord's expanding. And it's just miraculous what God's doing. And if the Lord says so, I believe we're fixing to go on a couple of more radio stations just this next month. Amen? Amen. And I tell you, it's just amazing to me how things are working, but it's because God's Word will work. God's Word is a reality, brothers and sisters. And what God's trying to get us away from tonight is coming into this place and being religious and talking about God's Word and saying a few things about God's Word and going out and living like you don't believe it. We need to get to where we exalt God's Word that if God says it, I'm going to live it, amen, or I'm going to die trying. There's no two ways about it. God's Word's going to dominate my life. And if it says it, that just settled it, amen. Praise the Lord, and there's going to be no question about it. That's what God's bringing us to. And one of the strongest weapons that Satan has against the Word of God is what other people think. That will kill your faith. 
If you're going to go by what other people think, y'all will go to hell because that's what other people want you to do. Do you know it? That's true. Amen? So we've got to get out of that. We've got to start going by what God's Word says and let God be true and every man a liar. Romans chapter 3, verse 4. Let's look in Romans chapter 4 tonight of Scripture. Romans chapter 4. Abraham is called the father of us all, the father of faith. And Abraham operated in some, some kind of strong measure of faith. He really did. Now, faith is the thing that makes us accepted uh, with God. It's by faith that you say, by grace, through faith. It also says without faith it's impossible to please God. And also everything that you're going to receive from God is through faith. Some people get on me all the time for saying, well, all you preach is faith. Well, look in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, and it says, Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. Who wants to be preaching sin? Amen. Amen. Everything you preach better be in faith. Praise the Lord. But Abraham was the father of, of our faith. He was our example, praise God. An Old Testament man operated pretty strong in faith. Well, this is what we need to see. Now, Romans chapter 4, There's a you could camp here and minister for months off of Romans chapter 4, and we've talked about some of this before. I'm going to skip over part of it to get to another part that I believe that we probably haven't talked about. But let's start reading with verse 16. Therefore it is a faith that it might be by grace. To the end the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, I can't just read that. I'm going to have to give you some background what this chapter is talking about. This chapter is talking about that you are not saved by your good works, by your actions, by what you can do for God. You are saved by what God has done for you. And this was contradictory, see, to what the Jews were believing, and it's also contradictory to what most religion has taught us today. Most religion has taught us that you've got to be a good this or that, Baptist, Methodist, Catholic, whatever. You've got to do all of these things. You've got to go to church. You've got to do this. And there's a lot of people doing all of those things, signing the card, going to church every time the door is open, going straight to hell because they've never put faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is what he's explaining. He says that it's not by these works, it's by grace. Now, the reason God made it by grace was so that it could be to everybody, even the people that didn't know all of the religious rules, do's and don'ts so that it could be given to everybody. If God had put down a certain set of rules, what would have happened to the people that weren't able to keep them? That would mean there was no hope of salvation. But God didn't. God paid everything so that your salvation is completely free. All you have to do is accept it and put your faith in the Lord Jesus. And therefore, it's available to everybody. That's what he's saying. Therefore, it is a faith. The reason it's by faith is so that it can be by grace to the end or for the purpose that the promise might be sure to all of the seed. And when he's saying all of the seed, he's not talking about only the Jews, not only the Jews, but also to them which are of the faith of Abraham. In other words, anybody that can operate in faith the way Abraham did can become an heir of the promise and can receive the salvation of God Almighty. It says he's the father of us all. Verse 17 says, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead, and calleth those things which be not as though they were. Now, there's a lot in this, and we aren't going to be able to get it all, but I'm going to point out some of it. Amen. This is too good. Just skip over. But God calls those things which be not as though they were. Now, you talk about a positive confession. That's it. 
If you'll read Genesis 17, which we had not got time to go into, Genesis, God spoke to Abraham and he said that your name shall be no more Abram, but Abraham. Which Abraham... Let's see, what did Abram mean? Anybody remember all this? Abram meant prince, I believe, and Abraham meant father of many nations. And he says, Your name shall be no more Abram, but it shall be called Abraham, for a father of many nations have I made you. Past tense. It's already done. Can you see that? And here's Abraham sitting there. His wife's old. He's old. He doesn't have any children. And the Lord is saying, The father of many nations have I made you. Now that's just pretty strong. God calls those things which be not as though they were. He changed Abraham's name because it was done when God spoke it. Y'all see it? Now that's the faith of God, and that's the way our faith has to get to where it can operate, to where we can speak God's Word, and I don't care whether your experience looks like it lines up with God's Word or not. That doesn't have anything to do with it. If you'll speak God's Word, your experiences will have to change. God's Word created all this physical realm, and it will change the physical realm if you would speak God's Word the way He does, if you would call those things which be not as though they were. Amen? If your body's hurting, say, Body, you are not hurting. You're healed in the name of Jesus. And not go by anything else, it'd work. Well, this is what Abraham did because it says in the last, in verse 18, speaking of Abraham, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. According to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. The word, so shall thy seed be, was the scripture. It was God's word to him. He says, look at the stars of the sky and the sand of the sea, and if you can number them, so shall thy seed be. In other words, that one little phrase was enough for Abraham to hang on to for 20-something years without wavering. And not doubt, not waver, but believe that what God had said would come to pass. Now, you stop and think about that. Some of us have been trying to believe for something for 30 minutes, for a day, for a week, and we get discouraged. Why doesn't it work? Man, here's a man that held on for 20-something years without wavering. And he did not have one ounce the power that you and I have. You're a thousand times greater and stronger than Abraham. Second Corinthians chapter 3 says so, which is a whole other thing. Matthew chapter 11 says so. You have more given unto you than Abraham ever thought about, and yet he stood on one little phrase. Here's something that I don't know if you've ever thought about, but the apostles. We think about how great it would have been to an, be an apostle. But over here in... Let's look at a scripture real quick from uh, the book of Peter, Second Peter chapter 1. Verse 3, it says, According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Praise the Lord. Now that scripture says that the word of God, the exceeding great and precious promises, which is the word of God, have been given unto us so that through these, through the word, you can partake of the divine nature of God. Now boy, that's pretty strong. That knocks in the head all of this kind of teaching about you just got to suffer and saw and tribulate. Now I'm only a man. Lord, I'm only human. Praise God, you can partake of the divine nature. You can have the divine nature and power and authority of God operating in you, but it says that it's done through the Word. Through the Word. Through the Word. This Word's the most valuable thing you own, and yet some of you don't look at it. You look at the television more than you look at God's Word. Right? 
This word is going to make you a partaker of the divine nature of God. This is the most important thing. You ought to live it and breathe it and think it. A cassette player, man, has taken away all excuse. If you're busy, plug that dude in and let it read it for you and listen to it. Amen. Amen. Hear the word 24 hours a day. The Word will make you a partaker of the divine nature. The Word of God will exalt you. The Word of God will make you start acting and living like Jesus does. It'll put you into the heavenly places. Amen? That's what the Word will do. Have you ever thought about that the apostles, all they had was what they could remember that Jesus had said. And basically, the only part of the Word that they had that was the new covenant that we have recorded in the Word of God was simply... Mark chapter 16, Matthew 28, where it says, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not harm them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. And then from Matthew 28, 19, it says, Go you into all the world and teach, preach the gospel, teaching them to observe all things. That's wrong. Go you therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. That's about all the apostles had to base their faith on. Can you see that? They didn't have one-third the revelation that you and I have got. Even Paul, the person that wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he didn't have as much revelation as what you and I have got because he didn't have what Peter had written. He didn't have what Jude had written. He didn't have what James had written. He didn't have the revelation of John. We've got more than Paul did. We've got more than Peter. We've got more than all of those people. And yet what they had was sufficient to turn the world upside down because they committed themselves totally to it. They believed it. It wasn't religious with them. Where Jesus told them to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover, they staked their entire life on it. They went out and did it and they didn't talk about it and ask why it didn't work. They had not had time yet to have all of the damnable heresies come in that we've had. Did you know it? Now, that's a scriptural term. Somebody might have thought I was using bad language, but that's what the scripture says. They had not heard all of these bad doctrines. They had not heard all of the unbelief, and they just took God's word and went out and believed it. And your and my problem is that we've heard so much unbelief, and we've been so programmed with it that it makes the word of God of none effect. Mark chapter 7, Jesus was speaking to the scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, and he said, Your traditions and doctrines of man make the word of God of none effect. And praise God, it's about time we get rid of our traditions and let God's word stand on its own. Amen? So we got off on talking about that by, by the fact that Abraham took one little phrase and yet became the father of many nations by believing, So shall thy seed be. Five words changed the entire course of history, and we're here tonight talking about it because one man put his total faith and confidence in five words. And look how many we've got, and yet most of us feel like, Oh, I just can't be sure. Praise God. Boy, we need to get into this and get to knowing it like the back of your hand so that there is no doubts or reservations that you know what God says. Amen? So that's what he based his faith on. It says, Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Now, we've talked about a lot of this before, and I won't take time to go back into it, although it's important. You ought to meditate on these scriptures. They really would help you. But the, part, the point I want you to see is 
What was Abraham's responsibility? What does this scripture say that he did? There was nothing for him to do. As far as his own works or actions, the only thing he had to do was quit considering his body, which he did, and then be fully persuaded that what God had promised he was also able to perform. Now, if you'll study it, that's all Abraham did. Matter of fact, any time he tried to do anything else, when he went into his uh, wife's handmaiden, Ish, uh, Hagar, and conceived Ishmael, that was a mistake. Anytime he tried to do anything, it was wrong. All his responsibility was, was to quit thinking unbelief, quit considering his own body, and just believe that what God had promised he was able also to perform. Now, I was thinking about this today, and it just struck me, and it really hit me how simple the gospel is, how simple what God's called us to do is. There's nothing hard about it. People have made it hard, and they've made it look complicated, but that's all there is. You've got to just simply be fully persuaded that what God promised in His Word, He'll do it. And to make that work, you've got to keep from considering anything else that's contrary to it. That's the only thing Abraham did. He considered not his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform. Can you see how simple it is? And yet Abraham received the greatest promise made during the Old Testament days. We're talking about him tonight, 2,000 years later, because of that man's faith. Well, that's pretty strong. And that's all there is to us believing and receiving, is to get fully persuaded in the Word of God. Now, that's simple. There's no works. You don't have to do anything. It's all been done by God. You just have to put your faith in it, be fully persuaded, and refuse to think anything else. Now, it's that simple, but it's not very easy, see, because we've had everything else come in and pollute us. But this is what I want you to see is this is how simple it is. And if you would just get this in your thinking, it would answer so many questions about what's the problem then. We're always trying to find a problem for everything. It's a basic problem. If you aren't experiencing victory, if something isn't working for you, there may be lots of different reasons, but the basic problem is that you are not fully persuaded on the Word of God and you are considering something other than what God has said. And there's no exceptions to that. If something isn't working for you, you are not fully in the Word of God. You are not fully persuaded of it, and you are letting something else have control and sway in your thinking. And there's no exceptions to that. That's how simple it is. Amen? Somebody says, oh, but you don't know my problem. Right there is your problem. You are considering something else. You're considering your problem, and your problem is releasing unbelief, doubt, and fear towards you. If you would quit considering your problem and consider Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith, praise God, you wouldn't have all that fear coming at you. What do you think would have happened to Abraham if he would have sat down and got to thinking about, I'm a hundred years old, and my wife is ninety years old. And if he had gone and looked at her and says, have you looked in the mirror lately, Sarah? Boy, you're getting old. Amen. If he had got down the thought on those things, it would have ministered unbelief to him. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God, right? Also, you could take many other scriptures, Joshua 1, 8, and many, many others, where it says to meditate on the Word of God day and night. Let it not depart out of your mouth. Then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. So one of the ways you get faith out of the Word is not just by hearing it one time. Now, that will produce a measure of faith. 
but it's by getting it and meditating on it. The word meditate, I've heard people explain it like a cow chewing its cud. Like you, you get it and you eat it one time and then you throw it up and chew it again and think on that thing and digest it again, amen. Uh, some people may think that's crude, but that would do us good. See, some people, I've had some people come at me and if I mention anything more than once, they say, well, why are you talking about that? We've heard that before. A person that's got that kind of attitude doesn't understand about the power that's in the Word of God. Man, you need to hear something until it goes off in your heart and until it starts working and producing victory. I heard a story about a preacher, and they said, well, all you just preach the same thing over and over. And he says, well, when you start living it, I'll go preaching something else, amen. <laughs> Faith comes by here, and if you all hadn't got it, we're just going to stick on it until we see it start working, amen. We need to meditate on things. That's how you get faith out of something. Meditate is simply thinking on, focusing your attention on something, mulling it over and over and over. Well, if faith comes that way, you could turn it around. Satan, all he is is an imitator. Satan doesn't do anything on his own. He's always tried to copy God's system. So fear, which is the opposite of faith, it's Satan's power. It's how he accomplishes things in your life. You could turn it around and say that fear comes through meditating on the opposite of the word, meditating on your circumstances, looking at your problems. If Abraham had have sat down and have really evaluated the situation and have focused his attention upon that, he would have sat fear out of the circumstances because those circumstances were ministering that this is impossible, it cannot work, so shall it be, will never come to pass for you. You're a hundred years old. That's what the situation was ministering. And if he'd have sat down and have sized up the situation and have thought about it, fear would have come, and that fear, even though he was operating in a measure of faith, his fear would have countered his faith and would have kept it from working. Y'all see that? Do y'all see that? Amen? Do you all see that? I got one person to nod their head. All right, I'm going to go say it again. Amen. In the same way as you get faith from meditating God's Word, you get fear by meditating anything that is contrary to God's Word. If you have a situation that is contrary to God's Word, if you have a financial problem, and if you sit down and get your books out and look at completely how impossible this is, and think about how all of these creditors are after you, and, and get there and figure up your income and figure that it's this much short of what you've got to have, if you focus your attention on that and think about it, you are going to have unbelief and fear ministered to you. It's going to come in the same way as looking at the Word of God and thinking the Word of God would produce faith within you. Looking at your problems, it will produce fear within you. It will produce doubt and unbelief within you. So it's important that when you go to believe in God that you get strong and you quit considering anything else except what God's Word has to say. You've got to reach that point where you don't let anything else move you. You don't focus your attention upon anything except what God's Word has said. Now to do that, that means that your entire life, your talking, your thinking, everything would have to revolve around the Word of God. And most people just don't believe that can happen. But it can happen. You've got to reach a point to where your entire life revolves around God's Word. It's what dominates you. I talked to some people just yesterday not calling any names, but this one person has seen the truth about getting out of debt. They have worked and worked and slaved and put in untold hours getting out of debt because they heard the truth about getting out of debt. The borrower is servant to the lender. They got out of debt this last week on Monday 
told us how good it felt, and on Wednesday went back in debt about $35,000. Isn't that something? Now, the Word of God had an effect on them, but their life is not centered around about the Word of God because they think that part of the Word of God is optional. Let me say this. God is not saying that about being in debt for His benefit. God loves you whether you're in debt or not. But God's wanting to bless you. And if you want to go on and receive the blessings of God, God is going to get you out of debt. That's God's will. God doesn't want you under the oppression of something. God wants His people out of debt. According to Deuteronomy chapter 28, you're operating under a curse if you're in debt. Now, see, the world system doesn't say that. The world system says, oh, it's all right. Everybody's doing it. That's the way everybody does it. Well, if you're going to do what everybody's doing, you might as well go to hell because that's where they're going. Amen? Isn't it true? That's exactly where they're going. And they're going there by the droves. If you want to follow the crowd, that's where you'll wind up. God's Word says that it is a curse to have to borrow. Now, he's not mad at you. If you're in debt, God could care less as far as his love for you is concerned. He's simply wanting you to get out from under that oppression. The Bible says the borrower is servant to the lender. And you see, our life has to center around that. Some people look at that as being optional, but if you are going to meditate God's Word, and if you're going to be prospered like the Bible says, a man that meditates in the Word of God day and night, day and night, day and night, if you stay in it, you aren't going to be able to take part of the Word and say that's optional. I can't. I don't believe God ever intended anybody to. If it's in this Word, it's for me. It's my contract. Amen. This is what God's wanting to do for me. And if it's in here, it's for me. And I'm supposed to be living up to it. I'm supposed to be receiving it. Proverbs chapter 6 tells you what to do if you find yourself in debt. It says, give no sleep to your eyelids, nor slumber to yourself. Get out of debt, amen, with everything you got. Don't get under condemnation, but get out. Amen? Praise the Lord. That's Proverbs chapter 6. It says, if you've become surety for a debt, what should you do? It says, give no slumber to your eyelids, but deliver yourself as a bird out of a snare. Get out of that thing. Amen? Realize you are in a trap. Now, if you consider the words, you'll be able to see that. If you consider what other people say and if everything else, it's going to make the word of God of none effect. You'll say, well, I see the word says that, but it just doesn't look that way. And it'll make you a financial pauper. I guarantee you, the Lord said this because he's got a better system than what man has. God's not saying this to be hard on you so that you can be poor and you never get anything. Well, I can't get anything if I have to go without borrowing money. God didn't say this for your, for your hurt. He said it for your good. There's a higher system than the world system going out and borrowing money. If you would get hold of God's covenant and go to believing, Luke 6:38 about give and it shall be given unto you, good measure pressed down, shaken together and running over, praise God, you could start giving what you've got. And I guarantee you within a short measure of time, you could pass up anything that you could borrow here in this earth. You'd become so plenteous and good like Abraham and Isaac, they'd send you out of the country and say, get out of here, you aren't, you're stronger than us. The land's not able to bear us and you at the same time. Send him forth because he's so plenteous and good. That's pretty strong, isn't it? The blessings of God, the scripture says in Deuteronomy chapter 28, shall come upon you and overtake you. And not only financial blessings, healing, joy, victory, power, the blessings of God, all of the blessings of God going out and coming in, they're going to come on you and overtake you if you will exalt God's word. God's not saying this to hurt you. He's saying it to help you. Like a friend of mine, Dwayne Hobbs. I learned some things from him. 
about giving. That guy, boy, he, he saw truth about giving. And he had a man call one night, his church, they gave to people who were hungry, bums, anybody that came through town, they'd give them money and feed them and witness to them. If they didn't straighten up, they wouldn't sit there and support their habit, but they'd feed them and clothe them and put them up at least one night. Well, they had this guy call from a motel. And the guy asked Dwayne for prayer. He was broke. He didn't have a penny. Well, he had 25 cents left. And he had to have some work. He was stranded. He was in a pitiful situation. And so he called Dwayne and asked Dwayne for help. Dwayne ministered to him what the Scripture said about prosperity, about giving, it shall be given unto you and everything. And that guy says, All right, I'm ready to believe God. I want to believe God to get a job and to be prospered. So Dwayne says, Well, what do you have? And he says, Man, I don't have anything. All I got is a quarter. He said, Give it to me. You've got to set God's system in motion. You've got to give so God can give back to you. Well, that guy finally did it, and Dwayne prayed with him within, within 24 hours. By morning, a man had come by. He had become a foreman of a ranch with a large-paying job. The guy sent to get his family, wife, and kids, moved them out here all free, had a house on the place. And I mean, within with, it was less than 12 hours, actually, God had supplied that guy with thousands and thousands of dollars promised to him, you know, through this job. And it worked. But if he hadn't given, it wouldn't work. Now, some people look at that as how terrible, giving his last quarter. Man, that's not a bad deal to give one quarter and receive back all that in return, is it? Some of us, you see, look at the same thing. But if I start operating what you're talking about and believe God to bless me and get out of operating in the world system of borrowing money, look what I'd have to give up. Give up your old color television, amen, that you'd be better off without. <laughs> Give up all of your worries and your cares and your ulcers that it's produced within you. Give up all of the strife in your home over fighting over money and all of this kind of stuff and just be free. And then in the end result, receive the abundance of God. Get so plenteous in goods that you won't be able to contain it. You have to go out and get a new house, amen? Debt free. Paid for. That's a lot to give up, isn't it? The only thing about it is that it, the world system is instantaneous. You can go out and borrow money, just bam, like that. God's system, it takes a while to get established in it, and it takes a while for you to start planting your seed and see the harvest come. Now, don't anybody think I'm just jumping on finances. I know I've mentioned this the last few weeks, but this is just an example that probably hits all of us. This applies in everything. We can't take certain areas of our life and try to apply our own rules to it or go by what the world system has to say. God's Word tells you how to live your life. God's Word gives us instruction for everything, and it's time that we begin to get fully persuaded of this. The way you're going to do it is by kicking out what the world has to say, kick out their system, and begin to let God's Word dominate your every thought. Amen? Like Sister Hart's saying about our tongue, the world system tells you to use it for your defense. If somebody gets in your way, cut them down. Let them have it. Go spread rumors about them. Destroy them with your tongue, and you can do it. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. God's Word says to speak evil of no man. God's Word says bless and curse not. God's Word says that if they speak against you, simply turn around and bless them back. It's not optional. If you're going to get God's Word operating for you, you're going to have to start operating in that area too. Amen? Anyway, I kind of was getting off what I started on, but what I was wanting you to see is that Abraham had very, very little to do. 
Just believe what God said. Be fully persuaded. Don't just believe it partway, but believe it with your whole heart and don't think anything else. Isn't that simple? That's so simple we've missed it. I heard this guy Charles Capps say this, and this really blessed me, that the Word of God is so simple you have to have somebody help you to misunderstand it. <laughs> and that's true. The Word of God is so simple you have to have somebody help you to misunderstand it. If you took some old boy off the street out here and brought him in and just showed him the Word of God where it says in Mark 16, These signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils. And he read that, he'd say, Well, praise the Lord. I believe in the Lord. He said I could call on his name. I can cast out devils. That's what it says, isn't it? And a guy would go out and start delivering people and getting rid of demonic oppression if it wasn't for religion that came along and says, Oh, now you better be careful. You better be careful. And they start putting all of these reservations. And like, see, when I first came into it, never, never, never minister deliverance unless you do it by twos. I nearly let a guy leave one night, demon-possessed, begging him, crying, and squalling, saying, Help me get delivered because my partner wasn't there. That's religious teaching and doctrine. It says believers shall cast out devils. Didn't say it had to be by two by twos. Amen. And then you come along, well, you've got to ask the devil's name. You've got to ask him when he got there. You come along and through Derek Prince and through uh, this Ruth Carter Stapleton and a bunch of other people, you come along and you've got to go back into your history. You've got to find out how it came in when you was a child or did it come in before your parents? You know, through your parents. or How did it come in? Where did the thing get in? All that stuff's a bunch of junk, amen. The Bible says that you shall, that you shall cast out devils. Just command the thing to go in the name of Jesus. But you see, all of that religious teaching has come along and had us disbelieve. And it's, and it's uh, messed up what God has been saying through His Word. And then the next thing it says that they shall speak with new tongues. Now, a guy reading that, if he didn't know any better, if he didn't have somebody help him to misunderstand the Word, he'd sit there and believe that if he was a believer, he's going to speak in new tongues, right? And he'd go to speaking in tongues. But then religion comes along and says, no, all that passed away with the apostles. You can't find that in the Word. The closest thing to it is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where it says that when that which is perfect is come then that which is in part shall be done away with and people say that which is perfect is the word of God I believe that the word of God is perfect but that is not what it's talking about because it says that at the same time that tongues shall cease knowledge shall vanish away knowledge hadn't ceased it also says that at the same time you'll see face to face we haven't seen face to face yet it's talking about when our glorified body comes you'll no longer need that which is in part you'll no longer need speaking in tongues and other things like that, praise God, we won't have any physical limitations, any mental limitations, and we won't need those things that are done in part. Everybody see that? But that's religious teaching. And anyway, what the Lord's been ministering to me through this is that the Word is so simple. If all you've got to do is get down and get in God's Word, go to believe it, and start kicking out things that are contrary to it, stop considering those things. And if you would do that, God's Word would work for you. It'll work for you. That's exactly how simple it is. Brothers and sisters, there's nothing hard about this. Jesus paid everything that's hard. If you're having a hard time with it, it's because you have not yet exalted the Word of God to the position that it's supposed to have. You are holding other things equal with the Word of God or above it lots of times. An example of this is, say, for instance, in the area of healing. All of you have heard me say, I know at least once, by his stripes we were healed. That it's a past tense fact. Now, that's the Word of God. And some of you hear that, but then you hear what the doctor says, or you hear what your friends say, 
and your friend says it's incurable. The doctor says it's incurable. You're going to die if you don't do this and do this and do this. That's what the doctor says. And here's what the Word says. And I've heard people say, Oh, I know the Word says that, but... They just showed that they did not exalt the Word of God above everything else and let it have the preeminence. If the Word of God says it, what else could there be to go along with it? If we would be fully persuaded that what God has said is true. In effect, what a person is doing, they're saying, I believe God's a liar, or maybe it won't work. Maybe God's not going to hold through His Word. Yeah, the Bible says, by His stripes we were healed, but maybe that's not true. Maybe it isn't really true. Maybe it's not going to work. A person that's operating that way has never exalted God's Word. They are not aware that God has spoken this Word out of His mouth and it can't change. Numbers 23, 19 says, God is not a man that He should lie, neither the Son of Man that He should repent. Hath He said and shall He not do it? Or hath He spoken and shall He not bring it to pass? If God spoke it, it's got to come to pass. There is nothing that can alter it. Amen? Did you know the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, that God upholds all things by the word of His power? That means the heavens, the sun, the stars, the planets, the gravity, everything that God has created is upheld by His word. Y'all see that? Let's look at that scripture from Hebrews chapter 1. I want you to get this. Hebrews chapter 1. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, etc., it says that he upholds all things. Now, the Bible says all things. That means all things, right? Doesn't it? That's verse 3. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. If the Bible says that he upholds all things by the word of his power, that means all things. Everything's included. So, if God was to break his word, which his word right here, this is God's word. If God broke his word and didn't do what he said he'd do, did you know that everything would completely fly apart? There'd no longer be any such thing as the law of gravity because it's God's Word that upholds all things. The law of gravity would cease to exist if God was to break His Word. We'd be floating around on the ceiling. The world, the atmosphere would cease to exist. If the gravity wasn't working, there'd be nothing to hold the air in here. The world would be completely destroyed. All of the planets would be on a collision course. There'd be nothing to maintain the universe that God created. God's Word maintains it. There's also a scripture that goes along with this from 1 Peter chapter 3 where it says some people say since the fathers fell asleep all things continue as they were. And then the Bible says this they willingly are ignorant of that the worlds that were made are by the Word of God kept in store unto the day of judgment. In other words, there's another scripture that shows you that the Word of God is preserving this system and keeping it intact until the day of judgment where we stand before God. So God's Word holds everything together. And you ought to reassure yourself that God would have to violate His Word to keep from healing you. Amen? 
because the word says in 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes we were healed. It's a part of the atonement. 3 John verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. That's the will of God. God spoke his will. And it has to come to pass. God would have to die. God would have to cease being God. God would have to violate his own nature. In effect, if God violated his own nature, since God is God and everything is held together by him, it would be like a self-destruct button. If God ever violated his own holy nature, his very system that he set in existence would obliterate him. I don't know if y'all get that or not. But God has released his faith in all of these things. If he was to violate it, his own system would destroy him. God won't violate it. Psalms 138 verse 2 says that God has exalted his word even above all his name. Boy, now that's strong. At the name of Jesus, according to Philippians chapter 2, about verse 9, at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord under the glory of God the Father by us. That's what's going to happen when the name of Jesus is spoken at the end time. And the Bible says that his word is exalted even above his name. So why do we put such little importance on it? Why do we sit there and say, Oh, I know God says that, that he hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, but why do you stick that in there? Why do you say, I know God says, but? It's because we haven't put the importance. You haven't understood that the thing that comes out of God's mouth, he can't alter it. God's not about to cease being God just so he can not answer your prayer, just so he can let you stew in your juice, amen? God's not going to destroy the whole world and the heavens and all the other people seeking him just so he can give you what you deserve and let you go your way. Man, if you stand on a promise of the word of God, it's got to come to pass for you. Amen? And there's nothing that can change that. Why don't we put that much faith in it? You cannot put faith in something if you do not spend time with it. Amen? You can sit there and have the head knowledge that God's Word is the most sure thing that there is. But if you spend most of your time meditating in the world system and thinking in the world system, you are going to be dominated by that. What you fill yourself with is what's going to have authority in your life. That's what's going to have sway over you. If you listen to what Walter Cronkite has to say every day, Walter Cronkite's going to have more authority and power in your life than the Word of God. Did you know it? That's true. There's nothing against that man. That man just doesn't know any better. He doesn't know the promises of God. He's reporting the carnal facts. But the carnal facts will kill you. Amen? All of that stuff ministers negativism. It ministers contrary to the word. The world system. All of the newspapers. All of the news broadcasts and things like that. You know what they're ministering to you? They're ministering doom. They're ministering that everything's falling apart, that it's getting worse, that we're having wars and rumors of wars, that we're having problems. They minister strife. They minister hatred. They talk unbelief. They talk violence. They talk all of these kind of things. Well, I hadn't hid my head in the sand. I know that they're there. But I don't consider those things. I don't meditate on them because that kind of stuff will kill you. You can find everything you need to know about what's going on today by reading the Bible. Read, do, read Matthew chapter 24 where it says in the last days you'll be hated of all men for my name's sake, that there shall be wars and rumors of wars, famine, earthquakes in diverse places. 
that blood will be shed. Read the book of Revelations about what's going to come to pass. I guarantee you, you'll be a lot further ahead than the newspapers are, amen? You won't miss a thing. Plus, you'll see it in the light of God's Word. The news ministers it in doom like, oh no, look what's coming down on us. The Word of God ministers it like, look, I'm telling you this is going to happen, but that's not the end of the story. And it'll show you the end. It'll show you how the Word of God is going to prevail and overcome. I'm not telling you to ignore the facts, but look at them in faith. The way the world reports the facts is not true. There's no reason to sit there and ignore that you've got a cancer in your body. I'm not telling you to ignore it. I'm saying to respond to it in faith. Instead of responding to it in the carnal facts and saying, Oh, no, it's terminal. I'm going to die. It's all through every part of my body. Look at it and say, The Bible says, By his stripes we are healed. Heaven and earth is going to have to pass away before God's word pass away. So bless God, I'm healed. Amen. I didn't ignore that situation. I responded to it in faith. And it's, that's all there is to it. It's simple. Amen? It's so simple we've been missing it. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 11 says. Let's look at this scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, it says, Would to God ye could bear with me a little in my folly, and indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtility, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in, the God, that is in Christ. Can you all see that? The gospel is so simple that you need to take heed that you don't be com corrupted from the simplicity that is in the gospel. It's simple. It's just the simple matter of believe what God said and don't doubt it. Don't listen to anything else. Don't consider. The word consider that we've been talking about from Romans chapter 4, according to the dictionary, the word consider means to take into account, to think upon. In other words, don't even think upon anything that's contrary to the word. Don't take into account. When you go to sizing up a situation, is something going to work or isn't it going to work? Don't even take into account anything that's contrary to the Word of God. In other words, consider nothing but the Word of God. Don't take into account anything except what God's Word says is going to happen. Boy, that's powerful. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If the only thing you would think on is what the Word of God says, do you know what you would be? You'd be a living, walking Word of God, amen? You'd be the Bible in motion. You'd be prospered. You'd be blessed. You'd be above only and not beneath. The scripture, there's, boy, there's a thousand one scriptures coming to my mind on this, but Mark chapter 4, where it talks about that the source sows the word. The word is what's going to produce. That's what we've been talking about. The word is the seed. It's not you that's producing. It's the word's producing. The word is producing. You are not producing. You aren't getting anything from God because of who you are. Amen? You're getting things from God because of who Jesus is, and it's all going to come through the word. So if you want to be prospered, just put God's Word in there, and I promise you it'll come. It'll spring up. It'll bear fruit. I don't care who you are tonight. I don't care how impossible your situation is. I don't care how bleak things look for you. If you would make a crash course, amen, and begin to get in God's Word and put it in your life, God's Word would bring forth a harvest. Someday you would come busting out all over, amen. You would come breaking out of the bondages you're under. There is no circumstance 
that can stand before God's Word. There is no devil. There is no oppression. There is nothing that can last before God's Word if you would put God's Word in there. But just us sitting there saying, well, I know God can help me. Oh, God, help me. That's not going to get it. Do what God's Word says. Put the Word in you. If you need healing, you know what you ought to do? Instead of going and belly aching and saying, oh, Lord, I need healing, well, put the Word in you, amen. The Word is health to all your flesh. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 says, The Word is health unto all of your flesh and life to them that find Him. If you want health in your body, get God's Word and cram it on the inside of you day and night. Take the Scriptures out about healing and start speaking it into you. By His stripes we were healed. By His stripes we were healed. I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from all of their destruction. Put God's word on the inside of you. Meditate on it day and night. And if you can stay sick, God's got to fall off his throne. Amen. Because he said that his word would be health to all your flesh. Now, either God's a liar or it is going to produce health in your flesh. If you're having problems with healing, you have not put God's Word preeminent in your life. And I'm not saying that to condemn you. I'm saying it to open up our mind and let us see getting God's Word. Cram God's Word down on the inside of you and it'll produce health within you. If you need finances, amen, put God's Word on the inside of you. It'll produce faith. Psalm 107 verse 20 says, He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from all, A-L-L, all their destructions. Isn't financial property a destruction? Amen? That's a bondage, brothers and sisters. Put God's Word on the inside of you. Take Deuteronomy 28 about the blessings of God shall come upon you and overtake you, that you shall lend unto many nations, but you shall not borrow. You shall be above only and shall not be beneath. You shall be the head and not the tail. You put those things on the inside of you, and I guarantee you, you'll come busting out of your bondage. Amen? You cannot be operating in defeat tonight and be operating in God's Word. It's impossible. I have people tell me about others and they say, oh, they know the Word, but it just isn't working. Something's wrong. They don't know the Word. There's a big difference between having a head knowledge up here and being able to quote scriptures and knowing the Word. The Word know that it talks about in the Bible. Let me give you one instance that will verify this from Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. Ephesians 3, 19. It's talking about comprehending the height, the depth, the length, the breadth of the love of Christ. And it says, And to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Let's back up and read this so that you can understand what it's talking about. Let's start reading verse 17. He's praying that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, what does that phrase mean? To know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. Now, how can you know something if it passes knowledge? Do you see what he's saying? The know that he's talking about is the same term that's used in the Old Testament when it says that Adam knew his wife Eve and she conceived and bare son. That Isaac knew his wife Rebecca and was comforted after the, the know that it's talking about is an intimate relationship. It's an experience. And it's the same thing we use in today's terminology. Somebody, boy, if you've experienced it, if you've been through it, you say, I know what they're talking about. You aren't talking about that you just have a mental understanding. You're talking about that you've experienced it. You know what they're talking about. 
That's what this is talking about. He's saying, I pray that you know, that you experience, that you have the personal relationship with the love of God which passes knowledge, which passes simple understanding up here. And this is something that a lot of people haven't understood. You can quote God's Word. That doesn't mean a thing. But when you begin to know it, when you begin to experience it, when you begin to live it and have a relationship with it, with it, the Word of God will put you over. If all you're doing is reading it as a religious book, if you're reading it to so you can mark on your card that you read your daily Bible readings, that won't work. Marshall Townsley, a friend of mine, told me about a guy that's in the carnival that has memorized nearly the entire Bible, and he makes wagers. This is the way he makes his living, is by putting bet down from 50 cents to $1,000 or something like that, that you can quote any chapter and verse in the Bible, and he'll begin right there and quote it. That's how he makes his living. And yet the man doesn't know the Lord. He's headed to hell. He's sick. He's in, he's in trouble. He's been divorced. You know, all kinds of marriage problems. The Word is not working for him. And yet he can quote nearly the whole thing. There is a difference between knowing something about the Word of God and knowing the Word of God. And somebody that says, oh, so-and-so knows the Word of God, frontwards and backwards, they know what God says. They do not know it like what the Word says. They may know something about it, but they do not know God's Word or it would work. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. I believe the Lord's trying to get that point across to us tonight. That if something isn't working, it is not God's Word that's the problem. God's Word will work. Amen? The problem with us is that we haven't stood on it. Now, I was thinking of something today. I can't remember the specific details. But I was thinking of something that I've been thinking about and praying about and I haven't seen come to pass yet and somehow or another in my mind I was thinking about telling this to somebody else and I was thinking of what they would say back to me and as I was thinking of this the person I was talking to says well have you really got down and rebuked that thing and I said oh well sure and then as soon as I said it I thought well I've resisted it you know partial but I can't say that I have got down and fasted and prayed over that thing and refused to take no for an answer and stood my ground and say, all hell has to freeze over. I got my answer. I hadn't done that. And as soon as I saw that, I said, well, that's the problem. I haven't got, I haven't committed myself fully to it. I just acknowledged that it could come to pass. I've done it in passing, but I have not committed myself 100% to the fact that we are going to have that. And that's the problem. If I would commit myself 100% to it, take the Word of God and act on it, I'd have whatever it was that I desired because that's the promise of the Word of God. It will work. And if there are things in our life that aren't matching up and aren't working, it is simply because you are not fully persuaded and you are considering other things. That's what keeps you from being fully persuaded. We need to get to where God's Word is all we eat, drink, sleep, that it is exalted above everything. I don't care if a doctor tells me, man, I'm going to die tomorrow. God's Word says that I shall be satisfied with long life. Amen. I'm not satisfied, so it can't be my time to die. Amen. Did you all get that? He'll satisfy you with a long life. If you aren't satisfied, keep going. That's a promise in the Word of God. There's nothing that can stop the Word of God except us. Nothing. Satan cannot prevail against God's Word. Did you know that? The Bible says in heaven, God's Word is established forever. Satan cannot do one thing against the Word. If you will notice in Mark chapter 
4, where we started talking a while ago. I'm glad I said that because I never finished what I was on. But in Mark chapter 4, where we started talking about the Word bringing forth results, what was being persecuted? The persecution was coming for the Word's sake, but the Word was not being directly fought against. It was the soil that it was planted in. Verse 16. Mark 4, 16. It's the same thing with us. Satan cannot stop God's Word. Man, if you step out on God's Word, the devil has to move. The world's hell has to move. Nothing can stand before God's Word. But Satan will come and fight you with situations contrary to the Word trying to get you to waver. He'll fight you. If you start believing the Word on healing, Satan's going to hit you with sickness. Not because he can overcome the Word, not because he's stronger than the Word, but he's trying to get you to back up. He's trying to get you stopped before you get a bunch of experience under your belt and start getting bold and confident in this thing. He's fighting you because if you get weary and well-doing and if you change your confession and if you quit considering the Word and start looking and saying, but look at my circumstances, it looks like everything's going wrong. If you get moved off of God's Word and if you get to looking at something else, you stop God's Word. We hope that your heart has been quickened by hearing the Word of God through this message. Remember, Andrew Womack Ministries operates a helpline that you can call for prayer and information at 719-635-1111. We have a ministry website at www.awmi.net and you can write the ministry at P.O. Box 3333, Colorado Springs 80934. Until next time, we pray that you will reach out by faith and receive everything that is yours through God's grace.